Yeah, I'm going to keep it brief, uh, <clears throat> because I'm going to talk about murder and adultery. Um, <clears throat> Nico must have, must have wanted to kind of get even because I married his sister or something like that. Um, so, can we put the passage up? So I'm going to read it quickly, and uh, that's not the beginning, it starts at verse 20, though. That's all you've got. So a quick plan B. So it's Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. All the way up to 30. What's there in the morning? That's weird. Uh, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll read it from, from, from here because now that, I've, now that I've got it, might as well. So much for doing this quick, isn't it? So it's on page six, 969 of your Pew Bibles. So, <clears throat> you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which is, answer will be ans is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift in the, in the, at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So that's the passage. Now, um, and if, you, if you notice, both of the passages that I've read, they have kind of a common structure to them. So if you put the next slide up, please. Yeah. So they have an opening line. You have heard that it was said, inserts in here. Jesus addresses the gateway causes of the end act, but I tell you that, and I'll get onto that in a minute. And then a final statement, trying to eliminate the root cause uh, from people's lives. And I think what Jesus is trying to get at here is... Um, that both murder and adul adultery are things that don't just happen casually. Yeah? They are results of a long line of things and decisions, some small, some not that small, that can result or lead to that sort of behaviors. So let me give you a kind of different example. Uh, if you wake up and start having Jack Daniels for breakfast, you have a problem. I mean, technically, if you have Jack Daniels at any time, you have a problem, but that's a different thing. What I'm trying to say is that if you have alcohol in the morning, you are an alcoholic. There's no discussion. And you need help 
and you need rehab kind of urgently, please. Now, things don't, generally don't start like that in, in people's life. Generally, there is a kind of crescendo uh, of situations. Whoa, it's getting a bit... Sorry. Um, and the same thing is happening in this passage. By the time somebody, sometime, someone commits you know, murder or adultery, it's, it's at the end of a long chain of events and decisions. And I think this is what Jesus is adding into the mix that is quite radical, because the people in there who are listening to him, yeah, they know that I shouldn't murder, that I shouldn't commit adultery, and blah, blah, blah. But what he's adding is all these kind of intermediate behaviors that, that you need to look. And his advice essentially can be kind of cataloged into three different things. If you put the next slide, yes. So it's love, wisdom, sufficiency. So love, what I mean here is God's love. Uh, God's love for us and consequently the love we should be having for one another as a reflection of God's love for us. First John uh, chapter 4 verse 7 to 9 says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Wisdom. Wisdom is about behaviors and ways of living that a wise person would adopt as usual practices to live a life that better reflects God's, um, God and ensuring that the decisions we are taking are geared towards building God's kingdom and our life. So basically, not taking the easy way out, uh, and be able to navigate life, life's conflicts with, you know, God at the center of them. And the last word is sufficiency. Uh, obviously, it was chosen quite carefully, um, and, and, and I think especially pertinent in, you know, the kind of middle-class salary uh, that we have, you know, perfected the logistic systems to get you stuff that you don't need and it's not going to fulfill you, but we can get it to you next day, so that's okay, isn't it? Good old Uncle Jeff's uh, online store. Um, and, against the, and, but, and against this backdrop, kind of the message of Jesus is, well, I think, quite clear, which is, you would only find true contentment and fulfillment in me. So let's start diving into the passages uh, quickly. The first section talks about murder. Um, it kind of goes without saying, please don't murder. Uh, but Jesus adds some t statements that might seem quite harsh. He said, but anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, it is quite a, quite a, quite a strong statement. But here's the point. I think when you articulate the words, you fool, you are thinking less or negatively about that person. If those thoughts continue unchecked, that might lead you to despise that person and ultimately regard them as inferior, and that their life is somehow less valuable or not worth it, and that can be a trigger for you to internally justify murder. Because let's be honest, if you see any fellow human being as bearing the image of God and having intrinsic worth, you will never violate the sanctity of human life, um, at least not deliberately. Um, and I found this quote from, next slide please, yeah, this is from uh, Dr. King, or Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, you might have heard of him once, maybe twice. 
Uh, I think the world needs to hear more often about him. Anyway, the whole concept of the imago Dei, that's the image of God, is the idea that all men have something within them, all men and women, something within them that God injected. Not that they have substantial unity with God, but every man has a capacity to have fellowship with God, and this gives him uniqueness. So what he's saying is that, if you, what I'm trying to say is that if you go through life and you regard people as having that intrinsic worth, that bearing of that image of God, you will never, that murder is one of the last thoughts you're going to have. Next one. Um, Jesus says, um, settles, uh, verse 25, settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Now, this is, this is plain and simple wisdom. You know, de-escalate conflict at the earliest opportunity. Um, I gave an example earlier of uh, this court case that had been going on in family for decades. Two brothers were kind of lodged in this, in this court battle. Uh, they both died, and their sons, you know, inherited this dispute. <laughs> Uh, but what they did was very simple. They just started talking to each other, and in a couple of weeks they resolved everything, and they just moved on with the rest of their lives. Great. Uh, now, because, and that's wisdom. They said, let's just be done with it. Let's not do this anymore. And then, obviously, that's a counterpoint to the foolishness of their parents who, who carried on having all these legal disputes and that kind of stuff for decades while they, they could have been doing you know, other things. And so the next section of the passage is about adultery. So it follows the same structure that, that, I, said, that I said before. Um, and verse 28, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in her heart. Again, because adultery is not in the real world. It's not something like adultery kind of thing. It doesn't work like that. Uh, and it's, it's that looking at those intermediate behaviors that Jesus is doing. Um, and I think um, a, a, a very influential preacher in my life once told me um, when I was way younger that kind of having a thought like that is it's like a little bird that comes to your head and sits on your head. And she said, let it fly away. Just don't let it nest. Just, just, just let it fly away and everything's going to be okay. Just don't get any nests on your head, kind of thing. And this one is about sufficiency. So if you already have a wife, be content with the wife you have. Look at what it says in Proverbs 5, 18 to 20. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe and a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated, or in other versions, intoxicated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's, the bosom of another man's wife? That's what it says in Proverbs. I mean, this is not even the raciest bit of the Bible. There are some more, but I'll, I won't tell you where they are. You just have to read it and discover it. So, and, and, and now here, uh, I think the, the important thing is that this is kind of, kind of quite practical advice. So Jesus is saying, uh, verse 30, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, I, I think it, this, this is really more pragmatic than what it seems, because what it says 
is two things. First, exercise some honest introspection so that you can identify what your trigger points are that could lead you to certain behaviors. And two, learn to avoid them as a practice. So for example, if you, if you struggle with some sort of content in your computer accessing stuff, kind of install some systems in your computer that block those sort of contents out. And therefore, you can be protected when you go and, you know, where you go and kind of do your activity online or you work or whatever it is. And I think it was Billy Graham who famously would not get into an elevator with a woman who was not his wife or if he wasn't, um, or if he wasn't accompanied by somebody else, I think. Uh, again, there is wisdom in that. He had that practice, he worked for him, groovy. Now, it doesn't mean that we all have to do the same, but it's that thing about understanding um, where, kind of, what are the things that we need to be mindful of and putting things in place so that we don't have to get that far in those decisions. So in a more, to put it in more kind of Christian speak, you need to guard your heart. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to, if you put the slide up of the three words, please. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead us in, in a prayer of, of confession before, before Nico, Nico comes back up. Um, because th these three things, really, eh, at least for me, kind of, I've realized that I've got issues with all three, really. Um, and therefore, I think if we pray into this and then pray into communion, yeah?